You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to episode 138 of the Urban Shooter Podcast, Listener Appreciation Week. Zombie Strike, Mental Preparedness, Security for Your Cell Phone, and Angels Flying Too Close to the Ground. All this and more coming up next on your favorite Righteous Podcast. CrossbreedHolsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Spotlight a friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. That is a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. Hey, welcome back to another fun-filled, factual, and low-fat episode of the Urban Shooter Podcast. I'm Ken Blanchard, and I appreciate you. I mean, I really, really do. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing, as I said before. And why do I say that? Because you don't have to listen. You don't have to tune in. You don't have to pay me any attention at all, and you do, and I appreciate that. As a matter of fact, I appreciate it so much. Um, This episode, I'm just going to give out stuff. So, if you know my email address, which is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com, just send me a note, an email to say, hey, how you doing? And I got a basket of DVDs, some that have my mug on it, some don't. Uh, some were given to me by really well-known directors, um, different pro-gun, conservative stuff that you like, um, DVDs my books, my targets, and I'm just going to give out a handful of stuff. I mean, just at random, I'm just going to pick your emails, grab them, then send your email back, ask for your address if I don't have it already, and start mailing stuff out. I'm going to do just a whole bunch of this stuff just because I appreciate you. Just like that. No contest, no rules, no nothing. Just sending your stuff. Thanks for the calls, too. My number is 888-772-6262. I met a guy who does a sled dog podcast up in, way up in Michigan, almost near Canada. Unbelievable how far this thing reaches. I got a new friend in Germany um, named Jens who sends me stuff every once in a while. But right now, the wave file that he's sending me is not too audible. So we're still working on that one. And you'll get to hear from that. I got a friend in South South. Africa, you say South Carolina. We go a little further than that. We're across the big pond. And then I got a listener in the Philippines as well. Cool beans. So if the mail and the postal service don't break me, you can make out. Just showing you some love for all the love you've shown me. I was going to do a big thing for Halloween and do that whole theme with the scary stuff, but I ain't feeling it right now. I really not. Mick did an outstanding job of creativity and originality in his latest podcast. Has uh, Ted Kennedy's face on the first uh, pod shot. You got to see that. Unreal. Real good job, Mick. And uh, all the podcasters on the Gun Rights Radio Network really stepping up the game. Things are just getting better all the time. I'm so proud to be in the midst of you guys. I got phone calls to return. I haven't done it yet. Um, 
that pastor and stuff is starting to get intense. I mean, not only on Facebook, but my church just in general. And even at work, I'm doing triple duty. There's no place where I turn that thing off. So um, it's been unbelievable. I can't even tell you how busy I am with other people's problems. And not really busy, just when somebody unloads on you and you comfort them and you give them um, some solace and just kind of listen, that stuff kind of stays with you for a minute. So you get a little bit of their stuff, whatever it is. So I can see why I have to put in a few more days of leave or take some vacation time, some quiet time just to kind of shake that stuff off. So I definitely can't handle anybody else's problems. I got enough of my own, but I am hardwired for this stuff. So I guess I just stop griping and do my job. The pastor of Pistoleros, Paladins and Patriots is right here at you. And we'll get started right after JW gives us our Pledge of Allegiance. Is that all right with you? Cool. Hey, Tim, how about this? Does the mic sound a little bit better than it did? How about you, Jeff? What do you think? I made some technical corrections. Speaking of that, man, I went to the store. I found a um, audio shop. I want a desk. I want, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, it's a new amp. It's a rack of stuff. They were telling me all the stuff I need to make my sound sound better. And Actually, the class that I got helped me use the equipment that I have to fine-tune it. So maybe this sounds a little bit better than last week when I was sick as a dog. But I'm getting better. All I got left now is a little teeny cough every now and then. Okay, where were we? JW, where are you at? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hi, Urban Shooter listeners and lovers. Visit the new UrbanShooterPodcast.com. There's a new email contact, and you can read past and new show notes for each episode, comment directly online, check out the wiki, the zombie page, and all the cool stuff on UrbanShooterPodcast.com. This week I got a chance to be in a DVD uh, upcoming interview with the um, Second Amendment March people. Um, They're doing like some of the speakers, I guess they're recording some stuff about them before the march. And I met the director and really cool guy. But, you know, something happens sometimes when you speak. I don't know if it's just me, but I had like a case of abonics. I mean, I couldn't. I was talking fine for a minute. And then all of a sudden my tongue got all screwed up and I was saying crazy stuff like, um, you know, you're talking. Well, the U.S. constipation is uh, the main reason for the Second Amendment, you know, stuff like that, where you just know you you know the words, but they're not coming out right. I don't know what that means. Am I like becoming an Alzheimer patient or I need some vitamin C or some zinc or 
more attention from mama. I don't know. Something's going on in my brain. But you know how when you're working on a PC and an hourglass just keeps on spinning? I think that's what happens in your head sometimes. Well, I know that for sure it happens when you don't have enough random memory to run all that programs being called upon on your computer. And it's sorting that things out at millions of a second. So when you try to close your program or shut the computer off or do something else, it's kind of frustrating that things spinning around like that, right? Well, the same thing happens in your head when you're confronted with a threat to your life and you're not prepared for it. All that stimuli, fear, disbelief, stress, physical conditions, and the bad guys give you more programs than your brain wants to sort. And the result, kind of like how I was on a camera, temporary paralysis. You know, a deer in the headlights. Now, bad guys use this time to move you like sheep before the slaughter. This is also like a blitzkrieg. It's that trauma that caused you to be unable to identify your attacker. It's that time, the weapon, or some facts or that under normal circumstances, you'd be able to answer. So how do you get through it? Mental preparedness. Being ready to fight is more important than what you use to fight. I just want to give you some mental notes so that you can prepare for the next time, okay? So you only have a few seconds to make a lasting impression, both on a date, a job interview, or an encounter with a bad guy. For us good guys, the real deal is you'll be reacting to a threat. From all counts and from every viewpoint, this is a negative. Reaction is always slower than action. But now, the good news. How you react, the speed in which you react, the plan in which you activate determines if you live or die. So, this isn't just a funny bit. It's kind of serious, right? See, the military, law enforcement, security, and mall ninjas all operate at a heightened state because they are going into harm's way. But you don't necessarily do. If you're threatened or attacked, a decision was made based upon your appearance, your proximity, or your relationship to the bad guy. You might have looked easy. You were on his turf. He has successfully attacked someone that looked like you before. He knows you. All those kind of things. This is the reality of it. And sometimes reality sucks. How about when your home is attacked? Or you in a vehicle? Late night in the washroom? The parking garage? The train station? All of them are usually because you entered or were in a state that the bad guy was prepared for. How about in a home invasion? A knock on the door during a football game or a scary movie when your attention is on something else. It's easy, actually. You're home. You're safe. Your mind is not prepared for defense now. That stuff doesn't happen in your neighborhood. Brother, sister, that stuff happens in everybody's neighborhood. Whenever you hear that, that's confirmation that somebody is SOS, stuck on stupid. See, there's a pendulum of force that swings both ways. If I hit you, the reaction I can most likely count on is that your reaction to the sudden pain. It's the surprise factor. You don't drown if you fall in the water. You only drown if you stay there. As soon as you can get over the surprise, your next move should be to return the favor. Your attacker is counting on his attack to disorient you or make you submissive. The way you were struck or attacked may determine how dangerous a threat he feels you are. The man that is bludgeoned or stabbed after opening that same door can use the pendulum in his favor 
by allowing, allowing the attacker to think they've done more damage than possible or necessary or to happen. Hear it, maybe it'll stick. You take back control in response to stimuli. Remember, we're the good guys. The real fight is in your head. Don't surrender, use your brain. Be determined, tenacious, relentless, unless you regain control and stop the threat. It's not over. And after you defend, go for the gusto. Use, improvise, overcome, and adapt. Then bust a move and get the flock out of there. It's a good idea to have your firearm on you while you're home. Even us city dwellers that are unable to carry legally outside our homes should be card-carrying concealed carry holders within the walls of our homes while we're home. A gun on your person while you're watching a movie curled up on a couch alone is a lot better than that one in the lockbox in the closet. Am I right about it? Now, if you got kids, one on your person is better than one in the safe. If you got relatives over, one tucked away in your hip is better than one tucked away in the locked closet. And how about a screwdriver, a cane, a nightstick, a can of wasp spray near the door? Something you can use to give you a minute to get your hands on your firearm. What happens if you get knocked on your backside near that front door? Do you have something that you can grab on your way back up? Remember, this is your house, your apartment. What can you stash there until you can blast the mofo? In your car, how about a sharpened pencil that you can jab into a bad guy's face until you diddy mow out of there? Let your mind work. Let your creativity just go, go for it there. Your mind is your primary weapon. Before you subscribe to the best gun for home defense, the best gun for traveling, the best gun for whatever, remember, no one has ever survived by being purely defensive. Your goal is to weather the first attack, which was not necessarily your fault. Then seize the opportunity to give some offense and then escape. You will survive if you can plan in your mind before you get to that spot. If you have to sit there and think about it and let the hourglass just tick and tick and tick, it can get stuck. And your life depends on it. Just some mental prepared notes from your brother. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. All right, right now I'm looking to build a new organization called Urban Shooter Association. And I'm looking for other cool people looking to join me and help me build this thing up. And what we're going to do is basically just be a different voice, an alternate group um, within the gun rights movement that's just a little bit different than the mainstream. More average, more middle of the road, uh, more fun, I hope. Or you can't stay. If you're interested, it's going to be about $4 a month that keeps the podcast and keeps me able to expand. And then you get $10 you throw that toward and I'll send you the patch. So totally, probably about 58 bucks a year is what I'm looking at. And that should be about enough to keep us going. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Urban Shooter Association, hit one of those links on UrbanShooterPodcast.com or BlackManWithAGun.com. There's a form 
on blackmanwithagun.info that I have to update and make a little bit more special. But um, there's some stuff coming down the pike. Like right now, I'm trying to get a party together for at the NRA meeting um, in Charlotte in May. Um, right now, all the hotels I want to use have been booked out. But um, the plan for Urban Shooters first um, is uh, there's a band that uh, a friend of mine plays in up here in Maryland. And I want to get them guys to come down there. They play everything, funk, blues, jazz, country. They play it all. It's the same stuff I play here. Um, well, more, actually. But I um, want to have them there. want to have our own little little thing going on. There's a couple of comedians that uh, I talk to on a regular. want to have them do some stand-up for us down there. I want to have like a really nice time for about four or five hours that weekend that we're all down there anyway. That's the plan. And uh, that's the Urban Shooter get-together. But if it doesn't happen, we'll just take over some bar somewhere and we'll plan it for the next year. Or sometime soon. Just little stuff like that. And once we come to D.C. for the big Second Amendment march, I'll be looking for the Urban Shooters to kind of take you guys to the side and show you the other part of the city and just stuff like that. We're just going to do a lot of stuff as a group. Use the connections that I have um, to get you into classes and meet some people, stuff like that. We'll just make it up as we go. All right. I also have the Urban Shooter Podcast official zombie targets. I have two that I'm pushing right now. Um, Gory the Groom is my favorite um, I took away the bride for now because she wasn't selling too hot. But the all mainstay was the um, zombie 3.0 target with the little girl in the front and the two zombies in the back that you can tag. Got a shoot, no shoot in there. They're for $1.50 each and some of the proceeds actually are going to my church. Yep, it's true. You'll see the link for those on UrbanShooterPodcast.com and BlackManWithTheGun.com. This show is sponsored and proudly sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. They're our only sponsor at the moment, along with members of the Urban Shooter Association. I'm really happy to be associated with Crossbreed Holsters. Um, Mark is like a really good guy and his products are good. So if you haven't purchased something, think about it for the Christmas holidays Buy something for somebody that you care about. Um, they even have um, bags. There's a, a crossbreed bags subsidiary. So check that out too. And still have some stuff. You can find all that stuff on blackmanwithagun.com or urbanshooterpodcast.com. Okay. Black Man with a Gun by Ken Blanchard is a 148-page book with pictures showing the right way and wrong way to do things, different guns and techniques, and a great primer for new shooters, an icebreaker for the experienced shooter, and a tool for the activist. Black Man with a Gun is a book that easily explains and inspires. With the humor of the most audacious African-American in support of the right to keep and bear arms, Ken Blanchard. 
Finn Blanchard is a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counter-terrorist, public speaker, and web personality. Ken has been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and now with his new podcast, The Urban Shooter on iTunes. In the book, you'll find A Letter to My Sisters, Buying a Firearm, The Racist Roots of Gun Control, The NRA, Your Rights, The Police, Religion and Guns. Get your autographed copy today by visiting blackmanwithagun.com or by calling 888-772-6262. Get your copy now. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. One of the coolest features about this podcast is that I have members all over the world that contribute by sharing experiences, news, and even stories, artwork, you name it. Um, It's all one big collective, one big family. Well, one brother from Florida who was a writer who took the characters that I started um, almost a year ago and crafted a story about zombies and Skull Island and even put me inside it. And I still call it Zombie Strike, but it could be anything. And I think Derek actually calls it Zombie Doomsday. But this has been nine chapters or eight chapters up to, until this point of a story involving a team sent to destroy zombies on an island every once in a while I flub a word or two or voice doesn't cooperate but it's been a fun episode for me it's been great to read it I hope you have been catching on to all the sto- all the lessons and the, the slights and all that little stuff that comes with reading a story um, I hope it's been interesting to you well this week we're going to conclude with this episode of Zombie Doomsday of Zombie Strike with an epilogue and the final chapter next week the story continues but in a new arc hear you hear ye Zombie Doomsday the final chapters of this story this is Zombie Strike Epilogue, Skull Island, Southern Pacific, 1,200 hours local, 31 July 2009. Countdown, two years, five months. Mateo hesitated before rapping on the door. This was his final task before going back to the real world. The deep voice beckoned Mateo to enter. The conference room looked the same as it did when the team gathered that first time. Good Lord, was it less than a month ago? It seemed like a lifetime. Ken Blanchard sat at the head of the table. Ken was dressed in black with his preacher's collar. Ken had presided over Jack's burial that morning. In an odd twist of irony, the government forbade Jack from being buried on Australian soil. The officials said it was because they feared the body was contaminated. So Jack, who so hated this little island, would reside here for eternity. Sitting to Ken's right was Nigel Brown, the representative from Mackenzie and Winston, looked exhausted. 
From what Ken said, Brown fought hard with his own firm's entrenched bureaucracy to ensure that the ship was there to extract the team. Then he went another round with them to make sure that the team was taken care of properly. And just when MNW's middle managers thought they were done, Brown charged back in to make sure that the team was paid what it was promised. Mateo was surprised Brown was still employed. To Ken's right was Colin Du Bois. Colin's left arm was in a working cast. His normal graceful movements were jerky from numerous injuries. The three men wore compassionate looks on their faces as Mateo lowered himself into the chair across from them. The processing of the island has been completed, Brown reported. We are still unable to determine how the zombies were raised in the first place. They show none of their expected infections, mutations, or substances that we have observed in other zombies. Mr. Du Bois believes that it was magic. That's about a good enough explanation as any other, Mateo answered. Yes, well, I thought you as an American would frown upon such supernatural explanations, Brown said. Mateo could tell Brown was probing him. Mateo wasn't in the mood for such nonsense. I saw enough. Magic will work fine. Brown pursed his lips, but dropped the subject. And as to Dr. De Castilla, we have been unable to find any trace of the man, Brown said. Did he mention any way he could have escaped the island? No, but that doesn't mean he couldn't have, Mateo said. From what we gathered, all the remaining zombies dropped when I shot Zypazin. Maybe the doc overheard something from Zypazin about a boat or something. Mateo paused as he considered the possibilities. No sign of him at all? None. If Mr. Du Bois hadn't corroborated your account, I might have thought you had hallucinated the doctor. Uh, Brown's mouth snapped shut as he realized what he said. Mateo shook his head in annoyance. Everyone, with the glorious exception of the Steve, had been walking on eggshells around Mateo since the team arrived on Skull Island. Mateo, we're worried about you, Ken said. You've been walking around here with a bad vibe. I'm worried you're eating yourself up. You can't blame yourself for what happened. And why shouldn't I? Mateo shot back a little too loud. Colin and Brown flinched. But Ken just kept looking at him with those caring eyes. Because of me, because of my decision, Sissy is probably going to be in an asylum for the rest of her life. She told me she couldn't go on and I forced her into it because I wanted another damn shooter along. Things went to hell and Quentin lost his leg. Jack's death I could understand, but I put paid to that debt. Sissy, Quentin, how am I supposed to make it up to them? You saved them, didn't you? Ken asked. Doesn't that count for anything? I don't know. Damn sure doesn't feel like it, Mateo said before storming out of the room. The three men looked at each other. A tension rose between them. I don't know, Brown said, finally breaking the silence. He's bloody damaged. Right now, that man is no good to us. I hate to side with Nigel, but it looks pretty bleak, Ken, Colin said. If what M&W found on the island is true, can we really rely on him? Wouldn't it be better just to get a new team together? My brothers, you saw a broken man. I saw one who finally opened up so he can be put back together, Ken said serenely. This good earth of ours is about to go through a tribulation. If we don't have good men and women ready, 
we could be facing down an apocalypse. And Mr. Cortez is one of these good men, Brown asked skeptically. Mateo could be very well the best of them all. Part 9. Tampa, Florida. 1400 hours local. 15 October 2009. Countdown. Two years, two months, and 16 days. Mateo Cortez stepped out of his air-conditioned car into a muggy, sweltering heat of the Florida afternoon. Florida never shook the summer heat until late November at the earliest. Mateo could easily expect to wear shorts and sandals for Christmas. The office building in front of him was gleaming with its newness. There weren't even any occupants yet. Mateo was here to talk with the crew that was completing their offices for the first tenants. He was reaching in for his briefcase when he heard the screams. Mateo sprinted into the office building. All he could think was a horrific accident. Mateo stopped as he saw the workers running towards him. They were scrambling to get out of the building. That wasn't right. These men worked on enough construction sites. What accident could send them running for their lives? Mateo spotted the crew's foreman, Red Shellman, and yanked the man as he tried to pass Mateo. Matt, we need to get out of here right now, the foreman demanded. His eyes were wide with panic. This was definitely not right. Red had nearly 30 years in the business. He was known for being calm under pressure and unflappable in the midst of any crisis. Red wasn't evacuating a sudden, dangerously job site. He was fleeing as fast as he could. What's the problem, Red? Mateo asked as calmly as he could, ignoring the growing pandemonium around the two. Red's weathered face was slack with shock. Clearly, the older man couldn't understand why Mateo wasn't getting out of the building as fast as he could. Red tried to answer, but the words wouldn't come. The howling moans that pierced the frantic din answered all Mateo's questions. Don't let anyone in here, Mateo ordered the foreman. Red nodded furiously. Mateo sidestepped and let the man continue running out of the building. Mateo walked cautiously toward the sound. The moans were definitely coming from the office the crew was putting together. One of the wooden doors was open. The fleeing workers managed to jam it open. Mateo stood behind the closed doors. He closed his eyes and listened. The moans came again. Mateo opened his eyes. There was at least three of them in the office suite. From the sound of the moans, the three weren't together. Those were homing moans. Mateo slid off his sports jacket and removed his tie. He drew his SIG 250 from its holster at a hip. What were zombies doing in Florida? Mateo peered into the office suite. The reception area was dark, with only a little light filtering in from one of the offices. Mateo snuck into the room and pressed the light switch. Nothing. One of the workers probably tore something out by accident as they were running out of the office suite. Mateo took careful steps up to the door separating the reception area from the rest of the office. To Mateo's right was a cubicle farm. To the left were the offices. The midday sun streamed through their doorless openings. The light brightened the space between the offices and the cubicles. But the high walls of the cubicles kept the light out of the cubicle farm. The walkway between the offices and cubicles stretched back some 50 feet before curving back 
to a conference room. The zombies moaned again. They were trying to find each other. Probably three of them. One zombie was in the cube farm. The other two sounded like they were in the conference room. That was a piece of good luck. If they were separated, that made Mateo's task much easier. First was the zombie in the cube farm. It was by itself and the closest. Mateo took one look at the darkened cubicle before he fished out the small, surefire flashlight out of his pocket. With the sig in his right hand and his flashlight in his left, Mateo slowly advanced into the cube farm. With his right foot leading, he slowly shuffled. The movement was awkward at first, but Mateo's instructors drilled it into him. It was slow, but it always made sure Mateo was in a stable firing position. It was also very quiet. Zombies were strange creatures, and not just because they were the walking dead. The high-powered beam from the shore fire wouldn't even phase a zombie, but any decent noise would bring any zombie within earshot. It was why their moans were so dangerous. A zombie moan would bring any living dead for half a mile. The cubicle farm consisted of two rows of approximately 15 cubicles within a walkway that was wide enough for two people. Mateo shone the light down the highway, the walkway. No zombie. It was probably in one of the cubicles. Mateo wasn't about to go root in and out armed with only a pistol. There were easier ways to commit suicide. A sufficiently dull spoon, for example. It would be easier to play the bait. Mateo slipped into the nearest cubicle. It was only the four carpeted walls. The work crews wouldn't have installed the desk and furniture till the next week. Still, it would give Mateo decent cover. Come on out, Mateo hollered. The sound of a human voice was an irresistible draw for zombies. Better than peanut butter for a raccoon. Mateo braced with his pistol and flashlight up. He was ready to take down the zombie. Mateo jumped as the cubicle wall crashed down behind Mateo as the zombie burst through. Mateo spun as the zombie stumbled at him. The familiar smell of rotted flesh filled Mateo's nostrils as he barely escaped the lunging arms. His body fell into the familiar fighting stance as the zombie lunged again. Mateo batted the arms away with his left hand, but couldn't get his right up for the kill shot. He took a step back. He felt the rear foot step into the plastic paint cover and slide out from under him. Mateo cursed as he hit the carpeted floor. His left shoulder shot pain through his body. Mateo managed to push it down for the barest instant. In that instant, training took over. The pistol snapped up and barked twice. The bullet slammed into the bridge of the zombie's nose. Mateo barely remembered to roll as the corpse collapsed next to him. As Mateo worked to push down the agonizing pain, he looked over the unmoving corpse. Oh Lord, it was Chris Anders. Mateo despised the man. Anders acted like the worst stereotype of a construction worker. Yet, in that instant, Mateo felt an overwhelming sympathy for the man. From Mateo's experience, death by zombie was one of the most horrific ways to die. The moans snapped Mateo back to the present. Adrenaline shot through his body. He felt shooting pain from his shoulder lessen. Mateo stood up, pushing the pain aside as best he could. The zombies were closer. Mateo listened carefully as the zombies moaned again. Those were definitely the short, high-pitched hunting moans, and there were definitely two of them. 
Mateo slid out of the cubicle farm back into the main walkway. The filtered daylight illuminated the two shambling zombies. Mateo tried to fall into a weaver stance, but his left shoulder screamed in pain. Buck up, boyo. Mateo said to himself, mimicking his former teammate Colin Dubois as he brought up the cig. But the bullet lollipop on the stick and squeeze. The right hand zombie fell as Mateo placed a double tap into his head. Mateo pivoted and placed the white and green dot on the left hand zombie. It completely ignored his counterpart's death. A second double tap dropped it. Put the weapon down, commanded an angry voice behind Mateo. Mateo carefully decocked his sig and lowered it to the ground. Rough hands grappled Mateo instantly. He was shoved to the floor while his arms were immobilized. One of the hands gripped Mateo's left shoulder. The pain shot through Mateo's body with a vengeance. Mateo could feel his body shutting down from the pain and the loss of adrenaline. Oh my God, those are zombies, exclaimed another voice. Mateo wanted to say something witty. The blackness consumed him before he could make his mouth work. This is Zombie Strike. All right, this goes more into the line of listener appreciation because I appreciate you so much. I want to give you a tip about cell phone security. Now, whether you're itching to get a new iPhone or some other type of high-speed cell phone, here's something that people don't really talk about. Before you throw that thing away or sell or trade your current phone, know that all the data that you ever put in there is still there. Yeah. And the more high-tech our phones are, the more stuff we put in there. Account numbers, banking data, email accounts, phone logs, appointments, tax, uh, task, contacts, your voice notes or recordings, your text messages, your pictures, your videos, application data and email attachments. Even if it's like um, a copy of them going to your main um, email source, sometimes you look at them through your phone. Well, that joke is still there. So all that junk could have some seriously personal or confidential information. And while your goal is to protect yourself, with a firearm most of the time by listening to this show you might want to just check out this tip here for removing data um, there's a one good website it's called um, recellular.com and I'm going to put the uh, the link on Urban Shooter Podcast episode 138 very very important because this is like the main one for um, anybody who really wants to take care of this it's http www.recellular.com forward slash recycling forward slash data underscore eraser data eraser at wirelessrecycling.com Again, it's a huge link, but I'm going to put that bad boy on the show notes. It's the best thing you can do before you give it to the Center for Domestic Violence, which I advocate highly, or you give it to um, you turn it back in to get, you know, discount or whatever. All your stuff. Deleting your phone numbers don't do it. Your smartphones keep all that stuff. And a forensics computer geek or a spy or a terrorist or a bad guy or a whole bunch of folks who know about this stuff get a lot of data from those phones. 
Now, the best solution is to find a way to overwrite the hard drive or the flash drive that's on it and reformat it. But if you simply um, delete the data, it can be retrieved by third-party tools. I'm gonna tell you that right now. That there are not that many people who know how to do it, but those who do make a living off of it. Same as PCs, just because you delete the file doesn't mean the data is gone. Cell phones are worse because the type of memory they use. Now make sure you either remove it or reformat it. You almost make out better by destroying the darn thing. Just a tip to keep you safe from your friend and your brother from a different mother. Remember, that link is going to be on the UrbanShooterPodcast.com, episode 138. All right, don't forget, you can catch me on Facebook under Pastor Ken Blanchard on Facebook all day long. And make sure you don't forget that deal I made you. Send me an email. Check out the forums. Uh, Just say, hey, Ken, how you doing? And I'm going to start giving out stuff. For all those who provide me, you know, your address and you want something, actually. And uh, we're going to make it happen. Just because I love you. I'm feeling really, really, really something right now. Hey, well, since I feel really, really something, this is for all those who like country music. Or some version thereof. If you had not have fallen Then I would not have found you Angel flying too close to the ground Thank you.
sing this last part. What do you think of the Urban Shooter podcast? Leave a review for Ken on iTunes at the end of this show. All right, time for me to check on out of here. Again, thank you for being a part of my life. Hope you like Zombie Strike. I think we still have some more left, and uh, we're going to take a different turn with Zombie Strike. Make sure you remember something about mental preparedness. Hopefully my security cell phone tips helps you out. And uh, a special shout out to Jens in Germany, Martin in South Africa, to John, thank you for the call, for Joey, my brother, for the Gun Rights Radio Network friends and family, Alex and Tony and Mick and Mark and Moss and Gail and Sean and Doc and Eric and, and you. Thanks, Art. Thanks, Peter, for that good musical tip. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks, Elijah. Thanks, Pastor Bunny. Thanks, Skip. Thanks, Mark. Really. Rick, Tom T, Liston, and Alan, I appreciate you letting me be on your video. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother from a different mother just saying thanks one more time. Make sure you send me a note. Make sure you pay attention to that new form that needs to, you to be on it and subscribe. Be a part of blackmanwithagun.com so that I can get your data so we can get something going and consider being a member of the Urban Shooter Association. If you haven't purchased a book or you're looking to get one for somebody, I got one with your name on it. Actually, my name's on it, and I'll make sure that you get an autographed copy. If you haven't received your zombie target, got some of those too. Thanks. The Minnesota Medical Association defines an old person as a person who, one, feels old, two, feels he has learned all there is to learn, three, feels himself saying, I'm too old for that. Four, feels that tomorrow holds no promise. Five, takes no interest in the activities of youth. Six, would rather talk than listen. Seven, longs for the good old days. By this definition, I know a great many people who are old 
at the age of 30. General Douglas MacArthur once said, Nobody grows old by merely living a number of years. People grow old only by deserting their ideals. Years may wrinkle the skin, but to give up interest wrinkles the soul. Worry, doubt, self-distrust, fear, and despair. These are the long, long years that bow the head and turn the growing spirit back to dust. You are as young as your faith, as old as your doubt, as young as your self-confidence, as old as your fear, as young as your hope, and as old as your despair. Choose to stay young. It's all in your attitude. When you choose to stay young, it's a sign you are still capable of growth. Shalom, baby. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Some of the music used was given by Harp46. Check them out on cdbaby.com. That's Harp46. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. Gunrightsradio.com.